What's going on, guys, and welcome back. This is episode number 44 of RizzoCast. I'm Steven Risotto, and we are joined today by none other than class of 2022 pitching and shortstop prospect, 16 years old from New Jersey, Nazir Moulet. Naz, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I've, I've discovered kind of who you were. Uh, somebody sent me a video that was on one of the baseball Instagram accounts. Uh, my mm. buddy Gianna Parenti, Gianna, shout out to you, uh, <coughs> sent me a video of you pitching. And, and the kid that was hitting just looked terrorized in the box. Uh, couldn't wait to get back to the dugout. Um, so that just kind of stuck with me. I was like, oh, I got to get a hold of him. And uh, here we are now. So First things first, is it snowing in New Jersey? I know there's been snowstorms around the country. What's the weather like right now in New Jersey? Uh, it was snowing all day. Uh, it snowed yesterday also, but it stopped as of right now. I don't think it'll be coming back. Uh, we had a few. This is probably like the fourth time it's snowed in the past two weeks. So, I mean, it's nothing too bad. A few inches, nothing that we can't handle. But, yeah, it's been snowing up here. Yeah, so how do you how do you kind of deal with that with the snow on the East Coast? Because I mean, it happens every year. How do you kind of go about dealing with it and still getting in your baseball fix? Oh well, I train at an indoor facility over here at PS2 in Wayne, New Jersey. So I'm very fortunate to be able to still practice. Weather, uh, I'm still fortunate to be able to practice regarding the weather. So uh, any rain, snow, sleet, hail, I can still practice indoors. Well, there you go. So being in New Jersey, are you a Mets guy or are you a Yankees guy? Which one are you closer to? Yankees. Yankees, yeah. So is there anybody you kind of grew up watching, you know, maybe pitching, <laughs> hitting? Who was uh, your player? It, it was Derek Jeter for me. I've yeah, I got, I got a picture I of Jeter up here in the – where is it? Right here. There's Derek. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been wearing number two ever since I started Seabull. Yeah, it's awesome. I know a lot of kids were number two uh, – number two because of Jeter, obviously a big influence. And, um, and I mean, Troy Tulowitzki, the list goes on and on of, of big leaguers that wear two just because of Derek Jeter. So I mentioned prospect, and that's a term that gets thrown around pretty fr uh, freely, but you're a legitimate prospect. I mean, you throw Chad 97 miles an hour, um, even higher exit velocity at the plate. How is something like that? And I'm, this is a loaded question. How is something like that even possible? for a 16 year old in high school how is that possible uh, i'm not sure a lot of people you know they like to credit the genetics but genetics are only what you're given it's not what you have to work for so um i mean everybody's given a different body structure a different body type you know you just have to work uh work with you're given with sorry I, I, that did not sound right at all <laughs> work with what you're given sorry but um yeah, I mean, I was lucky enough to be given the body type I have, and but you can't give all the credit there. You still got to be able to make contact. You still have to have the mechanics. So as a small portion of it goes to genetics, and the rest is just hard work, you know. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's pretty special what you're doing, man. So let's talk about growing up in baseball. When did you first start playing? How did you kind of fall in love with the game? Um, I first started playing t-ball when I was two years old. Uh, I first started practicing like in the backyard and stuff when I was two years old. And then I started t-ball around three or four. And then once I turned five, I played on a 10 and under team. So I was playing with guys a lot older than me. And I guess that really just helped improve, you know, 
because they were five years older than me already. So I had to work with what I was given and hold my own. And then um, after that, I started playing with my own age group, but also played up sometimes. Once I hit around the age of seven, I kept playing with my own age group and kids my age, and that's when things really started to take off. So what are you up to right now? Are you doing a club baseball team, high school baseball team? <coughs> What's your kind of what, – what team are you with right now? Uh, my freshman year, I was 13 going into high school, turning 14, and I play, I started varsity. And, uh, yeah, since my freshman year, I've been playing 18U. Gotcha. So that's, that's been real fun. Yeah, so let's start with pitching. I, I mean, I mentioned the fastball sits at, you know, 96, 97. How, how hard were you throwing in Little League, if that's the case? You're 16 years old, throwing 97 now. How hard were you throwing in Little League? Um, when I was 12, I was around 80. And then when I turned 13, I actually had a huge dump. When I turned 13, I was throwing 85 in, like, June. And then by August, I was hitting 89. So I went up four miles an hour in the span of, like, two months. And then um, October, when I turned 14, the month I turned 14, I hit 90 miles an hour. And then um, – Insane. Yeah, and then July when I was still 14, the next year I taught the 94. And then when I turned 15, I taught the 96. And then 97, actually. So we're just waiting to find out what 16 holds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So 6'3", 205, according to uh, your perfect game page. Uh, there's still room to grow, of course. I'm sure you know that. Um, and you mentioned genetics. How did you kind of build the arm strength though, over time? Was it long toss? Was it, you know, kind of starting to work out a little bit more? What was kind of your regimen? Because I know bands is kind of a big thing for pitching too. Um, what was kind of your, your theory on, on developing some arm, arm strength over time? Um, it was just long toss for the most part. I never really got into like a pitching program or anything up until last year. So any, everything before that, it was just, you know, long toss and doing things with my uncle and my dad you know, our own thing. It wasn't, I wasn't getting professional help. I wasn't getting instruction from anybody at a higher level. It was just kind of, you know, we were doing our own thing and it was working out. And then last year I joined this new uh, program here at PS2 and I got into a pitching program and we've been doing all sorts of things over there, you know, bands, weighted balls, long toss and um, uh, strength and conditioning, like lifting and stuff to get stronger. So before the before this past year, it was all you know, just kind of floating with it, and then last year we started to get into like more of a structure kind of thing. So what what is kind of your mindset on the mound? Because I know pitchers that do not throw, you know, that throw not as hard as you. They're kind of you know finesse guys. Um, there's some guys mm-hmm. that throw pretty hard, you know, 80s at 16, I guess. Um, so what's kind of your mindset on the mound? Because if you really wanted to, you could just stick 90, 90% fastballs against some, uh, some of the talent your age. Tell me a little bit about yourself on the mound. What else do you have in terms of secondary stuff? So what's kind of your mindset there? Um, I always tell myself that nobody can touch me. You know, a lot of people need to have that mindset in order to make it far in this game or anything you want to do in life. You know, you don't want to show it to other people that, you know, like you don't want to tell other people you're better than them, but you kind of have to have that mindset for yourself in order to get to the spot you want to be in. 
So, yeah, I have the fastball. I have a cutter that sits around, like, 86, 87. And then um, I have a slider that's about 73, 74, and a changeup that's around, like, 83, 84. So, I mean, fastball is usually the primary. And then if you see people are just waiting for the fastball, you could go to any other pitch. I mean, they're all pretty effective as of right now, but there's always things I can improve on. So, yeah, I mean, I use my fastball a lot, but I always have backups if need be. Yeah, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually uh, share my screen real quick because those of you guys that didn't realize what I was talking about before, this is the video right here. <laughs> yeah, that kid. video blew up. It did blow up. This is turn two on Instagram. I mean, the kid shaking his head, looking at third base coach, saying, you know, no chance. I mean, it, it's just not even fair. I mean, this kid's expecting 75, and, I mean, he's stepping out. So, how many no-hitters – I mean, that's that's a question, I guess. How many no-hitters have you thrown? Like, it, how many no-hitters have you had? How many perfect games? Tell me about them. I've, I've had so many opportunities, and they always get ruined. Like, <laughs> I've had – the, the last no-hitter I remember was when I was, like, 10. And then everything after that has just been one hit, two hits occasionally. But for the most part, it's all one hit. Like, last year, I threw – I threw a high school game and I had a no hitter up until two outs in the bottom of the seventh. And there's a comebacker right at, there's a comebacker. I try to make a play. It goes off my glove. And then the, the runner at first gets called safe and they call it a hit. And then I threw a one hitter two years ago over in Florida against Canes national. I've thrown a lot of one hitters, not, not many no hitters. You know, somebody always, it always gets ruined somehow. <laughs> it always gets ruined. I like it. Um, is there is there a cat like what do the catchers think that you play with like i mean you don't go to a high school expecting to catch you know 95 96 97 do you have like a special personal catcher that or or have they just kind of gotten used to it i guess it's a good learning lesson for if they want to go pro too yeah a lot of the like i said i play 18u so yeah the catchers i play with you know they're usually older um, my catcher as of right now, he's the catcher for both my club team and my high school. Luckily, they're both right next to each other. So a lot of the kids from my high school also play on my club team. So, yeah, uh, I've been with him since my freshman year. He's only a year older than me. He's 17 now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of people adapt to it. Like, I know it must be difficult, but once you see it often, you kind of get used to it. So I really credit them for that and being able to hang in there. Yeah, hang in there. That's a good way to put it. Um, do you ever get intimidated, you know, seeing seeing the guys behind? Because I'm sure you've seen it for a little bit now, seeing the guys with the radar guns behind the plate. Does that ever throw you off at all? Uh, no. I know I know what I'm capable of. So, you know, I never try to impress a radar gun because if somebody comes to a game with a radar gun, it's because they've heard about you previously. And they already know what you can do. So there's no need to feel like you need to impress them even more. Like they've already gotten a tip of what you can do. So there's no need to go out there and do it every single time. You just need to play your game. Yeah. So, you know, as a student athlete, how important is it? Because I know it's been hard, of course, with distance learning. How important is it having a good education and doing well in school to you? Like how important has that been to you in your baseball career? Because I know it's important if – you know, players are trying to go pro. What does being a student athlete mean to you? Um, I think it's very important because baseball is always just temporary, you know? Yeah. Nothing in life is forever. So you need to always have a backup plan or even, 
you know, just, I wouldn't even say a plan B, but just something else to fall back on just in case, you know, like I would love to commit to a school, but as of right now, I want to visit, I want to visit schools before I make a commitment anywhere. And I haven't been able to do that because of the pandemic. So that's why I'm kind of holding off on committing somewhere because I just want to take visits, see, you know, make a decision with my family on what fits best. And um, due to the pandemic, I haven't been able to do any of that. So I'm still in kind of like the the process of trying to pick the right school due just due to the fact that I haven't been able to visit anywhere yet. Yeah, for sure. So let, let's kind of skip over here to infield. You're primarily a shortstop, correct? Yes. So how much pride do you take in your defense? Um, I think it's a major part of my game because a lot of people look at the size and they think too much of it, like he's going to be a third baseman or something of that sort. But I cover a lot of ground, you know, I have a lot of range and my arm strength, uh, my arm strength also plays at a higher level. Um, I'm not sure what I was across the diamond, but like last year in February, I was like 94, 93, 94. I'm not sure where I'm at right now, but, you know, I have a lot of range and I, I take pride in that. So I think I would be beneficial as a two-way guy. You know, I can't choose fielding over hitting or fielding over pitching, pitching over fielding, anything like that. Yeah, so you're also one of the best offensive players in your class too. So you're you're surrounded by by so many numbers around you, I guess, nowadays, launch angle, exit velo. How much do you pay attention to those stats? Is that kind of like a part of – because I know I watched the feature on you with Whistle, I think they did – and you were pointing out some of the numbers there. How much do you look at those? How much do you rely on those to help you improve? Uh, I like to look at the line drive percentages because, you know, you can take a home run swing anywhere, but it's not always going to play in the game. If you go into a game trying to swing out of your shoes, you're not going to get anywhere but strike you out. But if you go in there with a line drive approach, you know, hit the ball the other way, eventually the ball is going to find a way out on its own. So you just got to, put the barrel on the ball, make hard contact, and the ball is going to find its own way. So you see Shohei Otani, and you see, you know, yeah. guys like Brendan McKay, and they're, they're two-way players. Um, is that something you want to continue down the road, or do you kind of have a plan of maybe possibly picking one? Like, I don't know if you've heard of Hunter Green, the former Reds uh, yeah. top prospect, current Reds top prospect. He picked pitching. So is is that something you're going to commit to, kind of going both ways, or are you going to try and pick one down the road? I know it might be too early. Uh, I believe it will be beneficial both ways. You know, I might try to do something like, you know, I want to play shortstop and hit every day, and then if a team needs, I could come out and close a game in the ninth inning if needed. You know, I think I would be more beneficial that way because if you take me – off of either side of the ball, you're going to lose something, regardless of the situation. If you choose me as a pitcher, you're going to lose a bat and, a, and an infielder. If you put me as an infielder and a hitter, you're going to lose a 98-mile-an-hour pitcher as of right now. So I think I would be beneficial both ways, and I'm sure wherever I end up in my future, the coaches will know what they're doing, and they'll know exactly how to use me to the best of their uh, – to the best of my abilities and both the best of whatever the team needs. Yeah, I love it. So what's your what's your daily routine when it comes to baseball? Are you a cage guy every day, maybe a bullpen a few times a week? What is your schedule like for baseball? Um, I usually do hitting and fielding every day, except for I am usually have Sundays off. That's the only day off. But I do hitting and fielding every day, and then I do pitching on Tuesdays and Fridays. And I lift, like, you know, weights and gym and stuff, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And I also do speed and agility on Wednesdays. 
So it's, you know, hitting and fielding every day, fielding twice on Mondays, um, speed and agility on Wednesdays, and then pitching and bullpens Tuesdays and Fridays alongside with the hitting and fielding and everything else. Yeah, and you make time for the interview, so got to love it. <laughs> uh, so we saw Fernando Tatis Jr. just get paid. Um, he's fun for the game. I'm sure you could agree with me on that. What are some of the thoughts on the emotion in baseball? Because, you know, guys guys are now having fun. I mean, it used to be a game where you couldn't show any emotion or you were going to get thrown at. Now pitchers are uh, throwing fist pumps as they're coming off the mound. Bat flips are coming into play now, and it's being accepted. Yeah. What is kind of your thoughts on the new kind of new school approach when it comes to the emotional play of baseball? I mean, I agree with it. You know, people can't hold in their emotions forever. I mean, you you won't know until you've played a game, obviously. Like, if you're just a spectator, it's a lot easier to understand why it could be wrong when they show these kinds of emotions. But when you're in the game and you're in the heat of the moment, you'll understand why the people, you know, show the emotions that they do, like a fist pump or anything. Because if you look at it, there's only – so many guys that make the major leagues, you know, like um, I was talking to somebody earlier today. They told me there's only 30 players at each position in every major league team. No, well, there's 30 players at each position in the world for every team, but there's 50 governors in the United States. You have more odds of becoming a United States governor than you do of becoming a position player in MLB. Like you got to think about that for you to get to that moment. And to compete against the rest of the best guys around the world, it takes a lot of emotion. And then once, when you prove at that moment that you're better than somebody for a pitch or an at-bat or anything like that, it, it feels good. And it's always going to feel good. So you can't really take the pride away from them in that, that moment. Yeah, so uh, no political future for you after baseball. No, just kidding. Are you going to become a governor, <laughs> the governor of New Jersey after baseball? Uh, you made a good point. Like. <laughs> No, you it's a great more point. Of a chance a great of becoming, point. You have more of a chance of becoming a governor of the United States than becoming a baseball player at any position. Yeah, and, and the best and – uh, and this is such a cliche thing because we've heard it so many times, but the best players succeed three out of ten times. Something we always hear, and it's still mind-boggling. Exactly. Uh, so it's pretty insane. So let's kind of end this here on a high note. Let's talk about the draft because it, it's you're being discussed, like going up pretty high, 2022, 2023, wherever. It's still a lot of time from now. Is that something you look at? I mean, be honest. Is it something you look at? Do you have your mindset on that, or is college still kind of the, the, the main goal for you? Um, college is always a goal, you know, the draft is obviously, you know, an option, but college is where it's at right now, because like I said, baseball is never permanent, you know, something could go wrong, you know, God forbid something could go wrong tomorrow, you get hurt, something happens, you know, your career is over, you need, you need a backup plan. So like I said, you know, college is always um, the priority. But, you know, if also if you get an offer that you can't take down in the draft, you, you can't turn down in the draft, that's always a possibility too. But college is really looking upright right now, depending on, you know, like I said, after the pandemic's over, where I could visit, um, making a, a decision with my family. I mean, so many things go into play, come into play that you can't really do anything until the time comes. Like you can't say you're going this way, you're going that way. It it's all depends on what happens when the time comes. Yeah, for sure. So, look, real quick, we'll end it on this. Goals. 
How how far you know what are what are kind of your goals for short term girl uh, goals, long term goals? What are what are some of your goals in terms of baseball? Um, you know, they just sky's the limit. You know, I want to become the best player I can be. I won't set myself short. I won't put a cap on myself. I mean, if you want to talk about goals, you know, it's things like hitting 100 miles an hour off the mound. That's always a goal, you know, but it never stops once you reach that goal. You always have to keep creating new goals for yourself. So I can't really set a specific list because there's always something that I can and that I want to improve on. Yeah, for sure. Naz, I appreciate you joining the show, man. Nazir Moulet will be uh, will be following his journey, of course, on RizzoCast. You guys could subscribe um, and, and, of course, um, listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. It's pretty much everywhere. YouTube, of course, uh, you can find us. So go ahead, like, subscribe, uh, anything you can do to help the podcast. Naz, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for watching, and have a great rest of your day.